Um, yeah, I think that no matter how you look at it, this, there's a conspiracy angle here that is not resolved. What's Everything. ironic is I agree with you as well on the fact that I know you're joking, but practically from a physics perspective, the hologram angle is, is interesting. I, let's put too. joking in quotes. Right, right. You know, because sure, sure. like we, Project Blue Beam is another conspiracy, Abs right. but it's something people think about, especially in this yep. community of the UFOs and the conspiracy theories. And people, when you know of certain types of information that's out there, yep. or at least been theorized. Yes it makes it okay to then question anything like this because we know things from the past. Mm -hmm. And we were only, a lot of the stuff we're talking about is stuff we know from decades ago. Exactly. A lot of stuff has happened since. When yes. I talk about MK Ultra with people, right. that's in the past. Exactly. And they're like, ah, oh, it's in the past. I'm like, no, no, no. It's just everywhere now. Yeah. We're in MK Ultra's wet dream. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Alien Addict on this fine Sunday. Uh, before we start the show, I just want to get a couple of things out of the way. Um, I always forget to do this at the beginning of the show, but the uh, the show isn't just a YouTube channel. We also have a podcast, uh, three podcasts a week, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Um, the first show, well, the first show is out now. Uh, Friday show is out now. The big show Wednesday, show Friday. Uh, we've also got some new merch in our store. Um, you can have my signature T-shirt, which I'm pretty excited about. We have Orb Bigfoot. Obviously, ME370 didn't disappear itself, and Bigfoot on vacation. Um, without further ado, Dave and our guest, Ashton, how are we all doing? What's up, gentlemen? Doing well. Mm. How are you guys Good, good. really good. It's good yeah, to have you been? back. We had you, uh, what, New Year's last time we talked to you, right? Yeah, it's been uh, a whole couple weeks since we've been on, <laughs> but I think this is the first time we've been talking about, you know, the case specifically yeah. for a little while, so um, yes. I think it'll be fun to get some updates. Yeah, it was, what's, what's new? What's What's happened over the past yeah. few weeks? Well, let's see. The biggest thing I would say is this YouTube channel 
that appeared on, I think it was January 8th, supposedly. And somebody made me aware that there was a video on it on January 10th. Maybe it appeared on January 7th. I'm not sure. And on January 10th, I went and look at this. And first thing strikes me is it says, a letter to Ashton Forbes, Diego Garcia whistleblower. And I'm thinking, okay, now we're really getting trolled hard here, right? Like, I've had scams happen to me. I've had people me once. decided <laughs> none. Like, so I'm like, okay, let's let's listen to this. I know this right away. It's like 11 minutes long. <laughs> okay, this is a pretty long letter, right? But I started listening to it, and I immediately started getting really creeped out. First reason is that the AI uh, voice, you can tell right away it's AI voice, but it's really, really good like really good like it sounds like you're really talking to somebody not like these robotic voices where you know it's beep boop beep boop but it's like actually got breath sounds in there and everything the next part that creeped me out was that it wasn't like it was just somebody who fed the ai like my investigation and had it spit out like a summary Mm -hmm. it was like taking the evidence that i put out there and presenting the, uh, I'm, what I'm going to call is the espionage uh, scenario, which I haven't really, you guys know since I've been on your podcast that I've been mostly talking about, I think the government like tried to save these scientists that were like mm-hmm. their assets, right? And they're related to that technology. And this scenario says that, no, this was a straight up espionage from the beginning. These people were defecting from to back to China because they were Chinese nationals, at least eight of them were, and that China was going to try to get this technology and that the U.S. government knew back in December, months before the plane went missing, that this was a plan. And they basically set up this counter plan to prevent it from happening as a big spectacle to basically show China, no, look at what we got. You you don't like, you know, we are going to destroy your plans right in front of you. Mm -hmm. And then at the end, uh, the clip at the end is just honestly gave me chills where it talks about like, how do you defeat somebody that basically has this super weapon technology, controls the media, controls the narratives and it closes by say you talk about them and you don't stop talking so since that happened to me that was kind of like a shock to my system where it was like okay uh maybe i should keep going hard on the mh370 stuff i had been reporting on like the miami aliens and some other stuff getting a lot of flack for talking about it and the reality is i just i'm going to talk about whatever i want to talk about i'm probably gonna even put a personal post out later saying like hey you know i'm, I'm a real person while, you know, my focus is, of course, on trying to get the answers from H370 and the families and the victims, the witnesses, the pilots, you know, and the leaker, you know, there's other stuff that I'm interested in as well. And there's got to be a balance to some degree, right? Um, I'm, I'm not going to make my whole life about MH370. So I want people to know that, yes, of course, I'm going to keep reporting on it. And probably what I'll do is I'll set some specific parameters so that people aren't confused about my stuff. Like I'm going to put like, okay, in the header, this is MH370, tag MH370 and that stuff. And the stuff that's just tangential or the stuff I'm interested in, like what kind of crazy technology Lockheed Martin's got going out there, like direct energy weapons, space fence. That's my new ripple moon, by the way. Space <laughs> there. Uh, and then I'll, you know, tag that stuff differently um, so that people can, you know, keep it uh, all straight out there. But mm-hmm. Yeah, so then just the latest thing today is that I finally reported on the Russian intelligence report, which I'd like to see the original report, but I I don't think anyone has it out there. But a lot of people reported on this report, and it dates back to March 14th, 2014, which is six days after the plane went missing, where Russia says 
that they were tracking and surveilling the plane ever since there was some cargo from the Alabama Maersk, which is famous for the Captain Phelps uh, hijacking, and that this cargo was put on board the plane at the last minute, and that they told China about it, and that China was tracking it and responded back to Russia, saying that they were going to take assurances that they were going to divert the plane from Beijing to, uh, I'm going to butcher this, uh, I think it's Hinan, Hainan uh, Island, basically. And so the odd part about this is it lines up with the whole espionage scenario, mm-hmm. where like, if China was already planning on diverting this plane, they Russia's saying there was some suspic- uh, suspic- uh, suspicious cargo and that they were all surveilling it. It's like, huh, well, this does really kind of seem like it was some kind of espionage event. And then the United States steps in and says... Nah, we get, we're the we're the big boys here. We got the orb tech, you know. Like you can't mm-hmm. you can't beat this. Um, so now I'm thinking more and more about that. Where like maybe I was wrong this whole time. Where I'm sitting here thinking it's some benevolent event where the U.S. government's trying to prevent their people from this accidental fire. Like, doesn't it make a lot more sense that the fire was intentional mm-hmm. and that it was in, initiated like in this weak point between the radars? where they knew the various governments and the air traffic controls wouldn't respond quickly to it. I don't know. Pretty bizarre stuff. Mm. It makes more sense to me. Like that is a thought for them to, because I mean, to any government in the world, like life is cheap. And if you can instill fear, reclaim your property and exert dominance in one movement, you do it. Right. Especially you don't really have to worry about anyone taking it too seriously or real because it's so beyond anything we can we can really grasp yeah man yeah it, it kind of presents a more comprehensive approach to the whole thing and it brings back in then the stuff like the iranian passengers right the ones that were on those stolen passports where it's like were these intelligence operatives were they on the plane to make sure that everything goes down smoothly like but then it also raises more questions which is okay well what happened to the the passengers then right did they was this technology proven? Could they actually survive this event? Like my good friend, uh, you know, who is one of these people who is an engineer uh, with the a, a contractor with the DOD said doesn't think that they could have survived it. But I mean, he, he wouldn't know for sure. I think that it's definitely speculative. Um, the so phone's I, I ringing after the fact. The phone's ringing yeah. after the fact suggests that something survived. Well, I, I, I did they arrive on the other side alive i think we should make that clear because i don't Mm. think anyone survived yeah a lot of people think that here's the Mm. thing too is that i've been talking with uh captain dan hanley and field mcconnell and these are two guys that are highly supportive of the remote control hypothesis that the plane the the boeing auto interrupt uninterruptible autopilot Mm -hmm. can be remote controlled hijacked honestly I, i i think for sure it can Right. Like he, I, I still haven't got through his entire 66 page report, but he had me on page one. Like, can the plane be hijacked? I'm going, dude, I'm talking about, you know, orbs teleporting planes. So, Mm -hmm. you know, if we can do that, we can easily hijack a remote control autopilot system, no doubt, um, using AWACS. And then it also brings in the AWACS that the French dad was told about on the Netflix documentary, where there's two Mm -hmm. AWACS with the plane. Well, they're remote controlling the plane, right? Or they're monitoring it or jamming it or all three. And then it also brings Kate T's sighting of the two other planes back in play where she's probably seen those AWACS that you've got the Cobra tight or the 
Cobra Gold and Cope Tiger exercises going on between Thailand and United States at that same time, where you've got all these assets in the area, like it just it all adds up to a pretty consistent story here. It's an espionage event. It's funny how there's always an exercise, isn't there, with these things? You know, when <laughs> there's always an exercise somewhere or someone's war games and something. And here's another little rabbit hole is that the Cope Tiger exercises, and I'm trying to figure out the exact time frames. Like the official time frame says that the Cope Tiger ones began on March 10th, which is two days after the plane went missing, but that the Cobra Gold ones were going on in February. So maybe it's just like carries over from one to the other. But the Cope Tiger theme that year was search and rescue. <laughs> it's like, so if they were planning like, you know, to practice search and rescue operations, they're going to have all their search and rescue assets in the area. So a lot of people have talked about like why this plane. Well, it's, I've always said it's potentially a matter of opportunity. You have the assets in the area. Well, they did have the assets in the area. Like that's where those assets would have been. So it's uh, I don't know, man. It's it's really it's it's spooky. And then the other part too is that it also explains some of the debunking efforts and the countermeasures and hostility that I've been getting on social media, right? Because you're getting a little bit too close to the answer, right? And mm -hmm. they've mm -hmm. got to discredit me. They have to. That's the only play. And they've got to come up with some fake debunks, right? So that mm -hmm. common people will stop talking about it. Because if they don't stop talking about it, then it's going to end up getting exposed. It gets more and more awkward as the government doesn't address these bold, huge claims that are out there implicating the U.S. government and I think the U.S. Navy directly in the disappearance of the plane. So it's like, you know, we've proven somebody on my Twitter replies proven that you can create a high quality uh, cloud image from a low quality image using AI in under 45 seconds. So this idea that there's some 2D cloud image out there that we've proven doesn't even predate the videos, mm -hmm. at least there's no evidence of it. You know, it doesn't debunk anything out there. But this would explain like this would be a pretty classic disinformation move to try to get people to stop talking about it because normally people are going to go oh well that cloud matches that so this wraps this up right without thinking twice about okay does it even predate it where's the mm -hmm. evidence that it does like can we prove that it does and how why would there be a 2d asset in the 3d video that requires two different perspectives doesn't make any sense you know yeah. you're not using a 2d cloud image in a 3d rendered environment the orb the orb going through the cloud immediately Mm -hmm. debunks that the 2d thing for me like the, the single and we've image. shown that even you know before that even came out and again recently that the clouds are not just moving but they're evolving like you mm -hmm. can actually see the clouds stretching where the you know the the kind of ends of the clouds get thicker or longer or less thick like, this is not a after effects graphical effects like this there's no yeah. videos that do this right it's it's weird, like so. When, when I hear hear people talk about the the two D thing, it's like they expect like the the clouds to be morphing around like smoke, you know, like like liquid moving like loads where, where you're looking at. It. But like the way way I always sort of think about it would be how when you when you're looking down at the sea and you're in an airplane, like waves don't seem to move a lot, do they? Because you're fucking far away from them. And that's just at you know thirty five thousand feet or so. That's just like seven miles. We're talking. Yeah. The satellite data is potentially coming from a thousand kilometers away, right? Wow. This is super far. And that's why people mm -hmm. are like, why don't they move? And I go, well, go look outside, you know, take a video of five seconds of the clouds and see how much they move. And then realize that you're like a hundred times closer than the satellites are. The further yeah. you're away, the less the movement seems to be, right? So 
Um, that's one thing too. But another thing that was pointed out that I am going to report on later that I've kind of, I've already alluded to, but I don't think I've done a specific piece on it is the coordinates. There's another clue in the coordinates that basically proves what I've been saying about this sentient program, et cetera, is true, is that we're not looking down through a satellite. And the reason why we know this is that early on, people were going, oh, somebody's moving the satellite around in this satellite video. But that's not what's happening in these videos. That's not what would be occurring if the satellite, no matter what, is uh, like a low Earth orbit one, which is the angle mm -hmm. that we need to match. If we were looking through the actual satellite, the coordinates would be updating constantly because the satellite is moving so fast. It's not like auto correcting the satellite in mm -hmm. real time. This must be a virtual session. It's a, it's a computer program that's pulling that data around. And that's why the coordinates only shift when they move the perspective. They're not physically moving the satellite when they move the perspective. They're just moving their view on the Google Earth video playback on there. Um, and so this is huge because this is consistent with what I've reported, that this is the Sibbers system, you know, space-based infrared system, pulling in this data from all these satellites. And I recently did a second follow-up report on Sibbers, which even mentions there's ground-based software that is being used to pull that data, which then is like, okay, guys, I mean, how much do I really have to tee it up for you? We're pulling the data down. We're making a Google video Earth. And that's how they're monitoring stuff. They're not looking down through specific satellites as they fly around the earth. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've told several people about that. The Cybris thing when it came out, I think is one of the most interesting concrete things that have come out of this whole thing. I mean, everything to me, like I'm, I'm on it. Something, something happened. They know what happened. They don't want to talk about it, whether it's a NHI encounter, whether it's um, them flexing their muscles, in some kind of geopolitical stance that we don't really understand, or it's, you know, some, I don't want to say society. What I really want to say is military industrial complex that is like leapfrog the rest of humanity by 500 years, um, which could be very possible. Like you were talking about potentially flying the airplane remotely, definitely possible. Like the DOE for the last 25 years have been able to operate. Like if everyone died on a nuclear transport, they can run all those vehicles. They can defend themselves from those vehicles anywhere on the planet. They don't talk about how it's done. And like the F-35, the electronic warfare uh, part of its package, we don't know what it does. Nobody knows what it does. Like they don't talk about it because it's classified. Like how far are we really advanced that we're just willing to talk about versus what we really are? Yeah, that's the big takeaway. You know, I was in a space earlier on Twitter today and I was saying that if anyone can take anything away from this, take away that the government is 100% lying to us about this case, no doubt. Even that F that GRU report at the end said something else that's extremely credible. Why is the United States mainstream media not demanding the Obama administration release the radar data and satellite images of the South Indian Ocean. We know they have a base in the Cocoa Islands. We know they have Pine Gap Base in Australia. And we know they have Diego Garcia. These absolutely would have seen the plane. We know they have satellites that are traversing the planet every 90 minutes that every single day are mapping the whole world. They absolutely must have seen the plane. It's not debatable. So, you know, the reality is, why are we not answering getting that information? We know they lied about it. Whether or not you believe we can teleport a plane, whatever, mm -hmm. doesn't really matter. We know there's something else going on. We have hydrophones that with yeah. all the with all the traffic in the Atlantic Ocean can tell when it's one submersible popped. Right. And they can break that apart from everything else. I'm pretty sure they knew 
when a plane hit the Indian Ocean because they have those hydrophones there too. And I right, looked at like those hydrophones there. down there. It's like, I don't know if it was like HM01 and HM08. There's an acronym for them. And the 011 mm-hmm. one is Diego Garcia. And the 08 one is the one that's off the Western uh, Western Australia. But again, it's consistent with my reporting before. These absolutely would have heard it. No question, mm-hmm. no doubt. You know, neither of them did. Never found the plane. Uh, so it's just, it, it's unbelievable that this idea of this plane crash into the ocean, everybody just goes along with it. I promised somebody else would talk quickly about the debris. Yeah. You know, there was a couple pieces of debris that were found. They washed up over a year later. This is already incompatible with what the independent groups, Mike Exner just told me and argued with me just a couple days ago on Twitter, where he says that according to the data, the plane was crashing at 15,000 feet per minute. Guys, that is super fast crashing speed. If you're, and he even agrees the plane must have broken up into thousand pieces. And then he just says, oh, it all sank. <laughs> what? Yeah. No, guys. No, that's not how it works. Planes don't no. just all sink when they break into thousands of pieces. That debris field would have been miles wide, easily it, visible. It from was space. your guy that remembered like catching a piece of wreckage with his boat. That was my favorite. That was the best. That's not just a piece, one. a whole wing. Do you guys yeah. know how yeah. long the wings of a 777 are? It's 100 feet long. <laughs> It's a huge hell of a net. thing. Hell of a net. There's what no, kind of paint net? Is he using? You know, I, I was speaking to my buddy um, Ben, who's been he's he's he uh, he he found the MH370 case uh, when you came on on our show, and like he's been hooked on like on keeping up with it ever since. And he was saying when that that came on the news, and he's not what you would consider like a big like, conspiracy guy. And as soon as that was, he said, the first thing I thought was that this is a direct response to like what Ashton's been doing. Yes. Yeah. And then so the pieces. So just to recap for people, there's only been three pieces that have been uh, confirmed tied to MH370. Only one of these used a serial number and it didn't use a unique serial number. They use a part equivalently a part number that could have been from another 777-200. Right. And that's what the media doesn't tell you. The unique serial plate that would have had the unique number on it was missing off the flapper on. They also take pictures of this flapper on to make it look like it's some huge wing. Mm-hmm. It's eight feet long. Again, the, pl- the wing is 100 feet long. This is a tiny, tiny piece of the wing. If you go look up the CNN article about it and the image, all three pieces combined are essentially nothing. It's less than one percent of the plane. So, again, if we had found a debris field and this debris field had washed up, there would have been thousands potentially of pieces of this plane, including Mm -hmm. we should have found bodies, luggage. We should have found all types of plastic pieces coming up there. Right. And so the amount of debris that we've connected is a tiny amount in the past. I've already mentioned that the tiny amount that we found is consistent with the fire scenario that's been put forth. This plane's on fire, even a cargo bay stuff could have fallen out of it, et cetera. There was a B777 fire suppression device that washes up in the Maldives like a week later and they don't even look into it. Um, as well as it's consistent with this idea that we have this teleportation event, this superluminal event. The plane's going from one place on the earth to another place on the earth. So this basically says, okay, let's say it goes to Diego Garcia, hypothetically. They strip it um, and they you know, take the paint off of it. They break it down and they throw a couple pieces in the ocean, right? And mm-hmm. now a year later, something washes up. And you know what? If you look at the drift analysis... The debris could have come from Diego Garcia and landed at the exact same locations. What a coincidence. What a coincidence. So 
you know, and there's another plane bought by GA Telesis in mm -hmm. 2013 of October, which is just like less than six months before the plane goes missing. No one knows what happened to that plane. They scrapped this plane. It's only 15 years old and they're scrapping a 777-200. So, and it also was a perfect match to MH370 as well as being bought from Malaysian Airlines. So it's going to have mm -hmm. the same color as well. This is actually how they matched the flapper on was through the paint because it didn't have the unique serial number and the part numbers could have matched as well. So there is really no proof whatsoever this plane crashed into the South Indian Ocean. It's all speculative and it's all yeah. based on Immersat pings, which I'm going to go ahead and destroy those Immersat pings again real quick for you guys as well. Is that every single person's theory for why the plane went to the South Indian Ocean is all based on an Excel document that wasn't released to the public until 2017. And the chain of custody was that it went from Immersat to Malaysian Airlines to a family member and then to a blogger named Victor Illinello. And then he posted on his blog in 2017 when he got it from the family member. Okay, this is the chain of custody of this document. They didn't release all of this data officially until then. They had a few select people come in and look at select statements or select rows from this document. Now, I've looked at it and I've already reported that there was anomalies that begin around 1840 on this document. There's hundreds of rows of data before that while this flight's in the air. From 1941, which is the next ping after 1840, to 2313, that's five hours of data. It's 10 rows, 10 rows. So I asked Mike Exner from the independent group, supposed expert, why is the data so inconsistent right here? Why does it just go to 10 rows? Oh, well, the ACAR system was turned off. Okay, well, when was the ACAR system turned off? 1707 or 1721, whenever the plane went dark. Okay, well then why is the data from 1707 and 1721 through up to 1840 all have plenty of rows and no problem? Silence, no answer, right? There's no logical consistency between the arguments and the evidence that these people are presenting. It presents a scenario where this data could easily be faked and spoofed. I even have a link, and that reminds me, I'm gonna have to go back through that, of uh, arguing that this there was another plane that was being tracked by Emersat that supposedly was in the sky and turns out it was on the ground the whole time. So we've got some other evidence that I'm going to present later that's going to show that, oh, it's possible that they just, their data is just nonsense. Mm -hmm. What I think is interesting is they bought a, a duplicate plane to scrap, which would suggest to me that whatever event happened to the plane would have left some kind of fingerprint on it. Something that someone else could have traced, something that would have been identified, something anomalous, right? Like if it went through there, so maybe... Maybe it held some residual magnetic anomalous, whatever happened, you know, sort of like, hey, we have to throw scraps, but we cannot throw scraps of the plane because once it passes through this event, it can be, you know, worked backwards. I just, I think that's, I think that's an interesting, it's an interesting thing that you would buy a, I mean, why? Because you could scrap the plane you had. You could put them on military transport, throw them on C-130s, no one's going to know you know, those people aren't going to talk and then you can shift them all around and it's just going to be a transport. But if you get a secondary plane, that's just like it, you're doing it for a reason. And the reason would be that they've done something like this before and they're aware that it leaves some kind of fingerprint. Yeah. And I think the scary part is how easy it is to lie to people about it. Right. And how easy it is to present this false narrative about it, where it does seem like there would have been planning involved that's yeah. another thing that kind of I go back to this weird letter, you know, where it says we knew about it since December 
I went, whoa, when I heard that. Nobody, I've never uh, presented that argument of that case. That's something completely made up by the person. If they were hoaxing this letter, they came up with this whole story about we knew since December. And that could make sense, right? Like how early how early do you buy your tickets for your airplane when you're flying overseas, right? Some people mm-hmm. do so months early, three months in advance. Seems yeah. seems plausible. If they had intercepted the fact that China... The art, they argued that they had China had some some dirt on some of these guys or something, right? That they had uh, turned them, convinced them to commit espionage and, and turn this information over from the Freescale company to them. Um, yeah, it makes sense that they could have intercepted that. U.S. could have intercepted that and known ahead of time and built this elaborate plan to you know shoot it down in the most elaborate, dramatic way possible. The problem I have with it is, man, that's you're, you're risking the lives of another two hundred and uh 18 people as well as three american citizens including philip wood the adult american passenger mm-hmm. it's like that's the part I, I the struggle with is that the letter says that everybody all the passengers are dead except for these scientists right and it's like how do you pull that off exactly it, it, it's also interesting like whether the the letter is real or not real it doesn't matter because it gets us thinking in different avenues that we, we is good that's a good thing right um, you have elite scientists like some nuclear engineers and people who are high in tech or like software programming people for like missile guidance and things like that. When they travel, they debrief when they come back to the U.S. Depending on where they're going, they may have an escort, they may not have an escort. And not always, they don't always, like that's not a normal thing. But they are absolutely monitored by other countries' governments. Because when someone's traveling, that is the perfect time to make contact. And all relationships start with a seed, you know, being on the same plane, being able to sit next to them, chat them up, whatever, you know, two lonely, you know, two people traveling, traveling is uncomfortable. It makes people awkward. Maybe people get flying nervous. They start talking. You can be a friend, give them their number. Hey, you're a cool guy. If you're ever around Bangkok when I'm there and now, now the wheels are working, right? Like that's how espionage works. It's, it's human intel. It's always cultivating human intelligence and, and making that contact and building relationships so with that many important people on that plane, you know other governments people were on that plane. <laughs> and they got disappeared too. <laughs> you know, that's a I laugh because it's such a crazy thing that's really just hit me now that they would not have been alone on that plane. You know? Yeah, and that could be like why maybe you can bring in even Jeff Wise's theories, right? I think that Jeff Wise is, you know, got that full CNN brain where everything's somehow Russia's fault and whatever, <laughs> but you know, maybe he's right with the Russian people who are on board were, you know, other other intelligence services, uh, people that were surveilling it, you know, at the same time. Um, you know, I think the hardest thing, if I'm criticizing my own uh, kind of case, it's, et cetera, is, is what do they do with these people? How, you know, do that's you really part. kill all these people? Yes, right. 100 <laughs> percent. Who's no, doing that? So, like, who are you? I mean, that's a lot of people to kill, man. It's mm. a lot of people. It's, it's nothing. You just said about firing squad, and you just can tell all these people you can't talk about. How you just murdered some people. No, no, you, innocent so people. You would, and there's children too, man. Oh yeah. But just yeah, think, yeah, think no about problem. the, um, think about the collateral Dave, damage no that problem. comes with war. <laughs> no yeah, problem. no, no. But, but but think about the collateral <laughs> damage that comes with war. Like when when we decide to go in somewhere and engage gauge with some somewhere, you, you're talking about tens, thousands, hundreds of thousands of people. Men, women, and children. Should that just because because your particular objective is on the other side of those people, yeah. they they don't you, matter you, anymore. You want to know how it would happen? They'd put them all there. Say, hey, you've been through a thing. We're going to get you back to your families. I'm sorry, this is traumatic. Hey, let's everyone put on a blanket. Let's calm down. Here's a bottle of water. Go get yourself something to eat. 
Someone grabs some pancakes, puts some fentanyl syrup on it, takes a drink of the fentanyl water, and they just lay down and that's it. And then people Damn. come in, you put them in bags, you load them up, and you take them out like they were firewood. That's dark, but it does make a lot no, that's, of sense. That's exactly how that gonna, would happen. Going to connect yeah. to the next piece I'm going to drop in uh, after this, I think, as well. Which never, is... never take pancakes off Dave. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or, or drink water bottles. Make sure those water bottles have been sealed, guys. Okay. Oh, that, that, they were you definitely cyanide in the water bottle. Man. Not a problem. <laughs> that's dark, man. Um, ah, no, that's, yeah, that's how it works. Tech, yeah. When you're dealing with technology that's this advanced, I mean, this is the kind of stuff where you pull out all the stops, you know, in terms of the morally gray areas as well. I still think it would make more sense to bring them back. But then the problem is how do you keep all these people quiet? It, it doesn't add up. Mm-hmm. The family members, a lot of them having moved on, and this has been confirmed through Florence Changi to me that, you know, the French dads moved on, remarried. Danica Weeks moved on, I think, and remarried. I think uh, Sandra or Sarah Bach, Bach uh, mm-hmm. I think she also moved on. It's like, if these people were out there, I think that their loved ones would have found a way to get a hold of them. Right. Exactly. So that's why, like, I always like to say, and I think this is probably a good point is that, you know, all the condolences to the families out there, not doing this to bring up any old wounds. I think we're doing this mm-hmm. because this is one of the greatest mysteries of all time. How does a 777-200 disappear, just disappear and nobody knows where it is. It's just not possible. Right. And we deserve the and truth. The world still is the interesting. Truth. That yeah. still is interesting, even without the video. Yeah, yes. absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And it's like because this conspiracy. Yeah, go ahead. Is the lack of interest by governments? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Why was the U.S. government giving up on the search after a month? Right? How is that not odd to people? They're just going, "Oh yeah, let's let Australia take over on this, and we're not going to find a single thing. We're not going to find any black boxes, and everybody's just yeah for a year, for a whole year." Everybody has no idea. And then a couple pieces of debris wash up and then we just brush it all under the rug. Like, how is there not more accountability from the media about this? How come the media hasn't talked to me about what I've been presenting out there? I mean, alternative media has been all over it. I got people still, even after supposedly these videos were supposed to be debunked, I've got Mm -hmm. all kinds of people wanting me to do podcasts, right? And I'm having to dial some of them back because it's just so draining. But still, you know... And and the, like the fisherman guy thing, you mm-hmm. think this fisherman guy is not even on social media? He's not doing any podcasts, mm-hmm. and somehow he's getting worldwide news attention for a, a claim that's completely unverifiable. Where he supposedly pulled up a wing of a seven 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 in his net nine years ago, where everybody else who was on board this ship is now dead because it's of old age or whatever. Right? Mm-hmm. How is this getting national attention? Like this is the kind of stuff where I go, man. The media is 100%, you know, controlled. It's, They're pushing yeah. the stories they are being told to push. Like, mm-hmm. that's the only way something like that compared to something where I'm going, hey, I've got credible information. I've got credible evidence. You can verify this evidence. You can go figure out what an MQ-1C drone looks like with a camera under its wing and confirm that this video is accurate. And they're, nope, let's not look at that. <laughs> let's not talk to this guy. It's, I, I just had a thought then as well, that it, it, more so for at the time than, um, than now. But just like the aviation industry in general, you know, for, for no one to have a problem with the fact that we, we will quite happily go, oh, well, you know, it's a passenger plane, went missing, we can't fight it, things happen. You know, it doesn't look good for the avi- aviation industry in general, so you'd think there would have at least been someone 
from that area come forward and they're like, no, we need to find out what's going on in this because we need our passengers to have faith in us that you know it's we can do our jobs properly. Yeah. And why was the Malaysian CEO, uh, Malaysian Airlines CEO lying saying there was no dangerous cargo on board on March 13th, the same day that they're presenting the South Indian Ocean narrative? And then a week later, come and say, oh, yeah, actually, there was 500 pounds of lithium ion batteries, 221 kilograms, mm. dangerous lithium ion batteries in the cargo bay. Like, how's that not more of a red flag to people? I found a couple mm. articles of people talking about it. And one expert at these batteries and the dangers of them did a whole article of the Daily Beast about it. And this just all gets brushed under the rug. You'll listen yeah. to these pilots who are, again, they've got full CNN brain as well, like trying to argue with me that, you know, a fire like this isn't going to allow the plane to keep flying, despite the fact these cargo bays are built to withstand them, that the fire extinguishing devices in them are automatic and can last for three hours, mm. you know, and they're going, oh, no, it would have been, it would have burnt the whole plane up. No, it's not. No, it's yeah. not. Like, yeah, maybe eventually if it's unmitigated. <laughs> If that's a, if that's the case, it's time to ban um, electronic devices from planes. Then surely, you know, if you if you if you can't have a passenger plane where ev at least everyone has at least one item of them uh, on them with a lithium-ion battery in it, probably two because most people that, that that travel have a phone, maybe an iPad, maybe a laptop as well. So if if you're saying that this fires like this can just break out and bring planes down, then it's surely that's not a good idea yeah let's do a guessing game uh since it's now 2024 how many these so 2015 lithium-ion batteries get banned the year next year banned by the faa in the cargo of passenger planes okay so how many uh, lithium-ion battery fires do you think happened in the united states last year that were reported on on planes and now we're talking just, you know, in the passenger area, right? Because they're not allowed in the cargo, right? How many? Give it a guess. What do you guys think? Three. I was going to say three as well. 74. Jeez. 74. So we're only a little off is what events. you're saying. Just a little off. <laughs> 70. It's almost unbelievable looking at the stats. And it's actually the same amount in 2022. 74. That's more than one a week. That's one and a half a week. Do these get reported on the news? Like never. Like you'll see it on X on Twitter yeah. every once in a while. And they have this bag that they have where you're supposed mm -hmm. to you throw like the phone in there or whatever. And they start pouring waters of, bottles of water on it because that's like the only way they can keep it out. And we're talking about a phone, right? This size. Mm -hmm. This is like a pound. Mm -hmm. What about 500 pounds of this, right? It's like, wow, that's, that's scary. And then that letter, real quick, that letter argues that they had a very controlled amount that they knew it's got a predictable burn rate and they knew that this plane wouldn't basically just blow up, right? It was mm -hmm. controlled in order to divert the plane to a specific location where they then would deploy the orbs on it or whatever. So that now, and this then goes back to one of my earlier theories about why would you teleport a plane to hide it, you know, to make it disappear in front of people's faces. And that seems to be the point because you've got a fire. You're not going to be able to remote control it all the way to Diego Garcia. It's too far. Mm -hmm. Same reason why you can't get it to go to the South Indian Ocean. So maybe you are deploying to put that fire out or to land it in a location where you can put the fire out and then, you know, take it back over to your final destination. You know what just occurred to me? Is if it was me and they said, hey, we have these guys going, we want to use this technology to grab them, but we need to make sure we can move this plane off route. Fantastic. Let's put a device on the plane 
start a fire, get them to swing around for emergency services, and we'll grab them in the middle. Exactly. That's what honestly, do. it does. And seem then when everyone like lands, you give them the special pancakes. <laughs> That's a special pancake. <laughs> <laughs> um, two other things real quick. So the FA F35 thing about the uh remote controlling, like those can supposed to be remote control. Do you know who the big cheerleader was for after the F35 project, which was very controversial? It was somebody named uh General Joseph F. Dunford. He's also the one who I have been saying would have potentially been in charge of this mission. Mm-hmm. He was I did I reposted my Joseph F. Dunford piece, and this is the one where a source had reached out to me. Um, early on in the investigation, before I was big at all, before I'd even gone on any podcasts, they had actually been connected to me because they were out there on social media going, I want to talk to somebody about this situation. Mm-hmm. They knew the general's nephew, and the nephew had showed the general the videos, and the, vi- mm-hmm. and the general did not laugh at them. I think that's the direct quote that they had told me. And early on, the, before they even presented the data to me they or the information, they said, you know, do you believe the videos are real? And I'm like, dude, I'm the one telling people they're real out here, right? So... Mm-hmm. The whole conversation I had with them was very credible. It wasn't didn't feel like somebody was trying to really convince me of something. They just wanted to be like, here's the information. I Googled the general. Turns out he was like head of the International Security Forces for the United States from 2013 to 2014 and in Afghanistan, which is the area right over there. We've got pictures of him and the Cope Tiger exercises in 2016. We can't find any from 2014, but presumably it would have been high likelihood that he would have been in that area during this. He might have been the person in charge of the operation. So what happens after that? 2015, Obama uh, promotes him, highest ranked military officer in the entire United States. He is the advisor to the president, Joint Chiefs of Staff, Secretary of Defense, etc. Um, he stays that way under um, President Trump. During Trump's administration, when he starts Space Force, he literally tells Joseph F. Dunford to take the mission of starting up the space space force thing during the presentation during his announcement turns back to him where's where's general dunford oh will you please you know i do me the honor of you know taking this assignment um and then what does he do after he retires in 2019 where do you guys think he goes pick a company lockheed martin ka-ching he's board <laughs> of directors at lockheed martin wow incredible Right. I mean, so to me, I'm sitting here talking about it's Lockheed Martin orbs talking about coherent matter wave beam patents from Lockheed Martin. Mm-hmm. And we found a few others as well, which are pretty incredible, you know, and then he's now going to Lockheed Martin. It's like, OK, man, all the dots are connecting. And this isn't just some nonsense like we're looking for it. It's just they're just connecting. I had to stop. My, I was going to say something. I had to stop myself. You're fine. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you got to be careful here because now we're not talking about government anymore. Now we're talking about, we're talking uh, about NGOs. That, that matter. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> NGOs, that matter. Uh, yeah man. It, it It's all fishy. The whole thing's fishy. I think you're doing a great job putting it out there like you have. I appreciate you doing it. Um, it's crazy. But like knowing that detail, what you said, I lean even more towards them setting an intentional fire, whether there were lithium or not lithium. Mm-hmm. I guarantee that they set something They're like, all right, so what is, because because it's pretty easy to predict pilot procedure. All right, so if he goes past X point in his fire, what's he going to do? Well, he's going to have to circle back to get to the here. Fantastic. Do it. And then we'll take him. And then so, the Let's get a little bit more into this, guys. You ready? So Mike Harris, okay. I reported on this. When was this? Let me look back. So it was about a month ago. I don't think we ever talked about this on our stream. 
Maybe if we did, I apologize. But there's an interview he did with Project Camelot. So who's Mike Harris? He was a contractor for Motorola when Freescale Semiconductors separated from them in 2014. Most of the interview with Camelot, Project Camelot, and this was done, interview happened March 13th, 2014, five days after the plane goes missing. They talk about this Freescale Semiconductor Company. They talk about how it had this technology and microchips that, you know, this is the reason why they broke away from Motorola because Motorola is a phone company, right? Mm -hmm. um, and... At the end of it, I play this clip. I'm just going to read it out for you here. So, you know, he she doesn't even ask him a question. He just straight up interjects right near the end before they're going to cut the interview off. and goes, can I give you my best silly wild ass guess? Somehow somebody opened up an interdimensional portal and the plane went through it. And we don't know where it is or when it's going to come out. Somehow it lo uh, somehow it's lost for the time being. and It'll be found again. It fell in a hole. And she kind of laughs at him and he's just looking at her with a straight face. And I'm just going, whoa, like this is a guy who might be in the know. And then in the comments, she does a follow up after she posts the video saying that it's also important to note that my interview with Mike Harris, radio talk show host and former contractor to top executives at Motorola when Freescale Semiconductor was a part of it, was told to shut up just after his interview with me. That interview has been very widely viewed. What is it that Mike Harris knows with, related to the history of Freescale that would be so important to the CIA that they would want to silence him, no doubt, in the interest of, quote unquote, national security? Whoa. And now here's the follow up. So we did a little bit more digging into him. Uh, we've been trying to look around for him, et cetera. Mm -hmm. um, so not just that. We found out that his educational experience was in partially in applied physics and that he was a former advisor to Congress. And we found his YouTube channel. And then just a couple of years ago, on his YouTube channel, he posts a video about discussing quantum entanglement as well, which kind of blew my mind because I'm sitting here talking about ER equals EPR, which is the idea that uh, Einstein-Rosen uh, bridge, mm -hmm. a wormhole, is equivalent mm -hmm. to Einstein-Poldowski-Rosen, quantum mechanics and quantum entanglement. Mm -hmm. And so he's sitting here promoting the idea that, oh, we're, you know, we're getting close to quantum teleportation. And so just as a little bit more background, from 1995 to 2000, Mr. Harris served as technical advisor to the Committee on Science and Technology of U.S. Congress, as well as sitting as chairman of various boards over the years with an MBA in finance from a foundation of applied physics and economics. He has proven an exceptional ability to function well and beyond, quote unquote, the box. Okay, so I mean, I, I want to talk to this guy. What did he know that he was making statements about planes going through interdimensional portals and we're looking at two videos of them? Like mm -hmm. something, it feels like a lot of information leaked out in the early days after this plane went missing. And it was simply too fantastical for people to take serious. Yeah. Right? Just mm. in my opinion. Well, without the videos being leaked, it is too fantastical to take seriously. You know, like the the because you, you can't you could you could not you couldn't accept that you know if, if someone just explained it to you um it does make me make me wonder whether you know at some point that plane is just going to turn up somewhere you know, yeah i do the, wonder it too Go ahead. well you you look at the um like if you get if, if we go like force 11 like conspiracy theorist and you talk about predictive programming and when you look at, I, I can think of two. I forgot the name of one of one of them. Uh, the manifests, one of them. Lost manifest. Yeah. Yeah. 
um, about planes that go missing and then just turn up somewhere with 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 crew and passengers intact, like in in the future. Um, I mean, <laughs> you talk talk about a paradigm shift if something like that was to happen. The but plane comes out and all of a sudden lands somewhere. That'd be wild. Yeah, that'd be. Uh... I have to go meet them on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was a uh, Stephen King book made for tv movie about taken that. was that it mm-hmm. i yeah, thought so. i thought it was the uh little things that went through and ate time behind us that's like Lang- the langoliers langoliers oh, langoliers yeah. there's also yeah. a movie called millennium which i think from the yeah. 80s i want to say yeah lots yeah. of things are similar to this now when people ask about why there's so many things similar to this well the answer is because the physics is real the science is real mm-hmm. it just hasn't been proven out there right so people are taking these physics concepts that we haven't had the material science to prove and they're coming up with science fiction stories around them and so this explains why so many of them are so accurate i mean even go look at star trek the thing is we're not talking about star trek teleportation here we're not talking beam me up scotty we're talking about star trek warp drive you know same idea is that this star trek warp drive out there is allowing us to move faster than the speed of light this is how you know, the Enterprise gets from one point in the galaxy to mm-hmm. another point in the galaxy, right? It's not moving at the speed of light. It's got to go faster. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I, the technology is, I lean towards it being out there. Like things that I've heard of, you know, from other people in different places and sources and stuff, it it boggles the mind, just the material sciences. Like the things that they have that can, you know, stop bullets and fire and penetration and structural and it's a liquid that can be formed or vacuum sealed in any shape. And you're just like, why isn't this on the market? Oh, it's beyond top secret. Like we're still testing its boundaries. It's like, yeah, but you should get it to the engineers. Like, oh no, that'll be in 20 years. We're, yeah, we're so purposely wh- being held further and further back. And before we jump into advanced technology, one thing I want to say too, is that the reason why we're never going to find the plane, like it's never going to be found is because the black boxes are still going to be able to be readable. You know, if they're solid state drives, even underwater, mm-hmm. whatever, like you're going to be able to recover information. And those will prove that there was a conspiracy and that the official narrative is a lie. That's the reason why we're not going to randomly find the plane down there. It's the reason why you can't ditch the plane. Because I kept wondering, like, why not just ditch this plane afterwards, right? Remote control it into the South Indian Ocean. Then you can set the whole narrative up, right? We could find mm-hmm. it later on, maybe years later. But this is the reason why we won't. And if we do, this is the reason why we won't find a black box with it is because the black box will you know, destroy the entire cover up. The fact that we haven't found that black box puts this plane in a category with a couple other planes where we never found a black box either. And I always find that very interesting. <laughs> yeah. Someone else had posted, you know, what about the electronics when they made a phone call, someone that they called live on TV. And that's pretty easy to answer. If you're different bases have the ability to shut off all signals in the base, they just jam everything. It's a security procedure. The more secure the facility, the further out they can reach. Right, like if something's happening, they kill all cell signal, they kill your Wi-Fi, everything shuts down, and they do that because you know you don't want remotes, you don't want whatever going, you you, you control it. So if they got flown into Diego Garcia, you know, or teleported right there and, and then landed or whatever, uh, absolutely, they would shut down communications. Say, hey, you can't, you know, we're in a place where you couldn't make a phone call like that. Don't worry about it. We're going to get you again. Here's a blanket. Here's a bottle of water. Get some to eat. Sit down. Everyone, just relax. We're it, it's going to be okay. You know, always panic when the government tells you they're going to take care of you and everything's going to be okay. That's when you worry, <laughs> right? Uh, and then once the people have been dealt with, yeah, they just they stopped killing the electronic communications and probably didn't think to destroy all that equipment fast enough because they didn't think anyone would be calling. 
Yeah, I mean, it's and it's also kind of uh, this idea that you'd have to have a very small number of people involved, right? People are going, oh, there's 4,000 people on the base. You can't keep all these people quiet. Well, the answer is, if, especially if this plane's landing in the middle of the night, like yeah. it, it's just a plane question. landing. No one's caring. No one's asking it. You put it underground and now it's it's gone. And all the people that are t- looking at it are all under NDAs. None of them can speak up or they're going to prison, right? Yeah. You, people don't, people underestimate how willing people are to be quiet especially when they have a very vested interest, which is their whole lives being destroyed, going to prison, maybe mm-hmm. even being killed themselves. Right. Yes. So that part I have no issue with in general, um, you know, in terms of understanding all that. I've also been told, which makes perfect sense, that there's Faraday bags that they w- would put the if you go somewhere mm-hmm. where you're in a secured location where you're doing like high end experiments and stuff, you don't bring your cell phone with you. They don't no. let it bring you with you. It goes into or a Faraday bag. Yeah, probably probably no electronics, right? No, no ele- it goes no, into a no, Faraday no bag. Yeah, you're going through a, you know a metal detector, I'm sure, and that you know they're also monitoring, making sure you're not taking anything out as well. Correct. And then you get it when you come back out, right? Some of these people, like I still get these replies from people who are just, I don't know if they're just disinformation or what, where people are going, I was at Diego Garcia and I didn't see anything, so there's nothing secret there. Well, <sighs> the absence of evidence is not evidence of absence. It's not yeah. how that works. It's not like you just have, hey, man, here's where the secret room is to the underground base. You know, it's like there's not a big sign, right? Yeah. Like you're just some random military grunt. You're not going to be told about the secret base. Oh, I would have seen it. Well, it wouldn't be a very secret location if you random people were going by and able to find it, right? <laughs> just you, and it's easy to see how secrecy works if just go to any of the national labs that the U.S. sponsors and goes through. Nobody asks questions there. Nobody talks. Nobody knows what's going on in their buildings. There's buildings they're not even supposed to look at. And like speaking to the electronics, there's buildings you go into, you check all your electronics equipment, you get wanded multiple times through multiple security checkpoints, just like the skiff thing that is now hitting right secure facilities for information exchange all that uh no electronics in there mm-hmm. you know none of that they, they would check your glasses take them off put them on this but we're gonna in them. perspective right because you talk yeah. about genuinely important things here like you yeah. talk you talk and you talk about technology that could change the world to put it in perspective in 2018 i was lucky enough to go for a guided tour around the uh, mercedes formula one uh, facility just before the car launched, so they were they were building the 2018 car when it, uh, when I just I think we were three weeks before before they took the covers off it. Um, I had stickers put over my camera. I signed an NDA, and they took my phone off me. So they they stickered my camera and and took my phone off me. So I didn't I didn't even have it. And that was because they were building a fucking sports car. <laughs> Yeah, and I don't, I don't know if people realize this. Hopefully, I didn't sign an NDA when I went and visited, but uh, I'm not going to say which database center. But there's a lot of database centers that are out there that mm-hmm. house, you know, companies, servers, and things like that. Huge, mm-hmm. huge warehouses, you know, mm-hmm. gigantic facilities, mm-hmm. and uh, they they have armed guards, armed mm-hmm. guards, guys. Yeah. Like this is, and this is just for where computers are at for commercial entities, right? Mm-hmm. And How you have to go through security stuff for that. With retinal scanners and stuff like this that. This was 20 years ago I'm talking yeah. about, right? Now, so imagine, you know, what kind of facilities we have out there now. So, yeah, I, I think that a lot of people um, underestimate how easy it is to keep people quiet. You know, what I'll also say as well is that not only do you likely have an NDA if you work on any of this technology or you are working in labs where you're even testing stuff like this, you might even have to sign repeated NDAs every time mm-hmm. you go in, theoretically, right? For like mm-hmm. extra assurances. 
So realize these people are not openly talking about anything they can't talk about, right? Because it's too high risk. And they might also have their own motivations, right? To dig into, to kind of change the subject a little bit in terms of we have all these UFO celebrities out there, right? We've got our Lou Elizondos. We've got our Jeremy Corbells. We've got our Stephen Greers. Uh, you know, pick your poison, right? The reality is anybody out there, David Grush, of course, Anybody out there who has this type of compartmentalized access information has an NDA and they can't speak about the, the classified aspects of it, right? Mm -hmm. They can't. So I'm not sure what people are expecting of them. Like all they can do is speak in these general generalities mm -hmm. and they all most likely have their own agendas. And I don't mean to say agenda in a way where it's like this negative connotation, even though that kind of comes along with it. Mm -hmm. It's more of like, if we think of what this technology means, then of course there's people out there that want to get this technology out there. But at the same time, we have to realize it's not like Burger King have it your way, right? It's like once you disclose that we've got a unification theory of quantum and macro, you just open up all Pandora's box. You're getting everything mm -hmm. at once, right? And if one piece of that, let's say the doomsday weapons, is something that people don't want to disclose, now you're stuck, right? Where now you're like, I can't disclose this because if I do, it all comes along with it. And this is where I would go lastly to say that, you know, when I was in the space with Dr. Greer, this is where Kim.com's like, they're having like a whole verbal argument between him and Dr. Greer and Greer's going, you know, he's like, well, Kim.com's like, why can't they just give the, the public the cure for cancer? Like, dude, it's just, I don't even know where to begin with how off this is. It's not just a matter of like, Hey, here's the, the formula for the cure for cancer. It's not so simple like that. It's not just a formula. It's a matter of here's where if we want additional medical healing and advanced medical technology, we need to understand what quantum mechanics can really do. We need to start looking at our universe in terms of waves and not in particles. And mm -hmm. once you start doing that, you realize that everything else is coming along with it too. Yeah. You start looking at it as like, this is the new engine for the car. It's going to allow it to fly. And if you tweak it just a little, it'll wipe the city off the map. Yeah. <laughs> like, exactly. You know? huh. no, that's true. Maybe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, you got a hoverboard. Awesome. You have a portable black hole. It's also not even think about what's around right now. You've got to think about what what could happen in the future. You know, like what regimes will, will come up. What like it, even another hundred years from now, what new religion might spark up? You know, if you've all of a sudden have like a fundamental fun, fundamentalist religion that comes out, which ends up being like some sort of crazy death cult. You know, it's all, all of a sudden the um, the gateway. What what were they called? The Heaven's Gate cult. They're not just taking themselves out when Hale Bob comes. They're taking everyone else with them. Or like ISIS or, yeah. you know, suicide bombers in the Middle East, right? This is what I think personally is what's keeping it held back is they're afraid that we're going to destroy ourselves. That letter to Ashton, right in the middle of it, they go, the reason why they don't release this is because if two warring factions were to have access to this technology, the planet wouldn't last a day. Right. And that's that's really what this comes down to. Right. Is that if you have this this cult terrorism, et cetera, that gets access to this type of technology, then that's that's probably it for us. And this is also why, like it, this all fits in as well with what we've been told in UFOlogy for years and what we see from a scientific perspective. Why don't we see civilizations everywhere out there? Maybe like a lot of them, 90 percent mm -hmm. of them, 99 percent of them. Maybe the great filter is once you get to this point, they wipe themselves out. Maybe some of the black holes out there are produced by the civilizations creating the black holes and wiping themselves out, right? Just a thought. Yeah. Do you think um, there's lots of people out there that, that do the whole, what, what can't we just tell everybody? 
it's like a western western blinkers because it's it's easy when you're like living in a city or like living in your in your town you look out thinking like the world is exactly the same as everyone everywhere else whereas we are still in various places of uh, development you know and i don't i don't just mean sort of like more like we said we'll say fundamentalist countries but you know we we've still got like tribes that live on islands that have never seen like a western face you know it's not that everyone's the same and maybe that's where a planet has to get to before this technology can come out to where we're at least maybe maybe not on the same page but at least in the same book well and here's what i'd say it's a slightly different tangent on that but my personal understanding of what I've learned from this case, the people I've connected with, the stuff I've been told, the stuff I've investigated, is that there are people that know this technology is real that are out there. And they don't really have a big incentive to let everybody else know, right? The moment you're on the inside and you know this technology is real and you can get your own over-unity device, which is mm-hmm. essentially a free energy device, why the hell do you care if other people know about it or not? You're benefiting it already, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and, and that's what I think. It's the same idea that like, okay, we've got tribes out there on some island, right? Where they don't know about anything, right? Is that we're not in a, a world where everybody has the same access to the same information, the same technology. We're in a world where it's, uh, you know, the people at the top and there's just very few of them. And then there's a lot of people near the bottom. And we think we're near the top when we're somewhere in the middle or near the bottom, right? And there, yeah. yes, there's people below us that aren't even as technologically advanced as we are, but we are essentially as far away from those people as the people at the elite and the top are from us. Mm-hmm. And so just, I want to dig into a few of these, these technologies, right? Because mm-hmm. here, I mean, it's very easy when you think of these technologies, why we would hide this and why, what it would lead to, right? Over mm-hmm. unity device alone. We're talking about, so we're, we're going to, we're not violating the first law of thermodynamics here. We are getting around it because what we're doing is we're taking our closed system and we're opening it up to the vacuum of space time. And when we open it up, now we can borrow energy from around us, from our mm-hmm. potentially even from the magnetic field of the Earth, yeah. which is the Earth is just a giant capacitor, right? And now we're taking that energy and we're producing it and we're, we're producing what we would think is more energy than we're taking in. But, you know, this is now allowing for a situation where we can get infinite energy, essentially. Not quite infinite, but that's the idea. And then we might also be able to, with superconductivity, room temperature superconductivity, that's where everything breaks. Once you get to room temperature superconductivity, where it doesn't take as much energy to put in to create the superconductive effects. This is where you start to get escalating power generation and get to a point where now you can amplify the energy to such a degree where you break what they call the Schwinger limit. And once you get to this infinite energy stage or an amplification of energy, which is just ramping up and up and up, this is how you're getting to a point where you can actually, you know, create a black hole or turn this into some kind of railgun weapon or really the applications are almost limitless, right? Mm-hmm. You can make force mm-hmm. fields. You can cloak stuff. There might, like I was mentioning, be ways to even use this from an esoteric perspective to achieve medical healing. I even wonder if things like reversing the aging process might not be possible with something like this. I mean, imagine if we at the cellular level could kind of turn back the clock on the cells in our body. Mm-hmm. You know, that to me sounds like that would be like reverse aging pretty much, mm-hmm. right? So who knows? I don't think we're there from a material science perspective, but in 100 years, 150 years, maybe, right? And all this stuff has huge implications for our planet and our species. I mean, it, it makes you think if, if you had access to that sort of, that te- type of technology 
and or at least you're on the precipice of that so that that sort of technology it makes more sense to keep it quiet because let, let let's let's say uh let's say you find the the infinity gauntlet are, are you gonna explain to everyone what it does or are you gonna become a god exactly right and so that's what i've come to learn is that these people who have you know millions and millions of dollars maybe even billions who have access to the people especially these contractors in the dod or people who are engineers in the dod you know what i've learned is that they can't talk about the stuff that they do directly in, in the projects that are classified mm -hmm. but they can take some of those concepts outside to their own labs and even patent them and that's why we see some of these patents out there and if you go look at the Dave Rossi uh, interview I did with Tim Poole together, mm -hmm. and the reason why I brought him is specifically because I think that he's a guy who's in the know, he talks about something very important for everybody out there. He says that it's not all these individual patents that are out there that's the problem. It's when you combine them together and you find out what they can produce. So think of it from the lens now of MH370. Mm -hmm. There's not going to be a patent out there for super harmonic conductive orbs. There's patents for all the individual components of it. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's when you put it together that it becomes classified. And before that, and that's why you see all these scientific papers and all these patents out there. We're like coherent matter wave beam. That's a weird thing. Like well, no one's out there making like a just selling coherent matter wave beams. Right. They're yeah. using that as a component for something bigger. And then you start to put the patents together and all these different scientific papers. And this also explains why all the scientific papers that seem cutting edge are all like it's almost like one piece of the puzzle. Right. It never really talks about what the implications are of these papers. It's like, OK, we just, you know, teleported an atom for the first time or something like that. Right. Mm -hmm. But it's like, let's take that to the next level. How is this applied, et cetera? The reason why they're not talking about how it's applied is because that's where you start to broach onto the implications of what's classified, what's not. This is my opinion, at least. Mm. Right. That's really interesting because it's it, it, it explains um, it explains how any sort of like technology could could be drip fed down through you know it's it, it, it's always been like the the roswell thing hasn't you like oh we got five, five fiber optics or stuff like that but it's 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 not like someone is coming from a government um uh, from a government entity walking into apple and saying there's a plans for the iphone you should probably make that now but if if there's various small parts of these things that become like consumer electronics that can get taken away and like you say patented for something different that's that's really interesting it it immediately brings to mind the movie the fly cronenberg's the fly with uh gutenberg and gina davis when gina davis says, you invented all this and he's like no 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 other people invented all this he's like i just put it together <laughs> you know that's a great analogy i love that yeah and and this is absolutely the i think you guys i can tell that like the lights are going off for lee as well or the you mm. know the light bulb's going off because it's like Oh, this is also explains the socioeconomic implications, right? Mm -hmm. Is that the people in the know are profiting off this, not just profiting, profiting in terms of the millions and millions of dollars, right? If you can make an over unity device and the public has no idea about it, and you're selling these things for, I don't know, tens of thousands of dollars, maybe even hundreds of thousands, right? Why the hell would you want to tell anybody else, right? Of course you don't want to. Like you got the golden goose, man. You're laying golden eggs here. You don't want to let everybody else know why you can get access to that. And this is how that information drips out is that you don't get the super harmonic conductive orb, but you might get some aspect of superconductivity and then be able to manipulate mm -hmm. that and create a perpetual motion machine or something like that. Right. I, I think we're forgetting the most important thing brought up to us by a friend of the show, uh, Squatch. 
Yeah, but McWestside. Did <laughs> you guys see my post on the uh, the Chinese lanterns, guys? Chinese New Year's coming up, guys. It's Chinese lanterns <laughs> season, folks. Oh, there's so much strange stuff. That Chinese lanterns, folks. You, you see, you've been given a break, haven't you, from Mick since he's had a jellyfish fi- fixation? Yeah. Did you see the the debunk they came up with of that, where they're saying Hilarious. that it's a string of balloons, and it's yeah. like, wait a minute. You just CGI made this string of balloons. This is why I made the joke about the Chinese lanterns. With Just for everybody out there, I posted a video like yesterday, two days ago, and it seems like it's some kind of military flyover of some sporting event. And it's confusing because it's a really amazing flyover that's happening. It's definitely not um, skydivers, guys. It's like 20 degrees outside. These people would be freezing to death if they're skydivers. Yeah. But it's, it's probably an airplane. Yeah. But so it's probably an airplane, but I went and I made an AI uh, thing of Chinese lanterns with jet packs on their jet engines on them. And it looks just like it. Right. And I was making fun of the people that are going, oh, it's I, I made a CGI series of balloons that looks like the jellyfish thing. I'm going like you're literally fabricating a fake debunk to try to debunk something like this is like we're, we're going we're through the looking glass here at this point, folks. Like we got to at least come up with some, you know, somewhat plausible explanations within the realm of reality at least say it's like a drone with like a tarp on it or something right like come on i said to ollie we should um we should do like a portrait of mick west but just as ufos and we'll use that to debunk mick west so mick west's not real he's just lots of ufos Yeah, and I'm going to do some more, I think, more stuff like that. I don't generally, like, make a lot of joke stuff like that. I think the last time I had done that was, like, the Nazca mummy stuff where I took the pyro... Or, actually, I didn't take I stole this, but somebody else put the Pyromania VFX over the mummy's face or whatever yeah. and said, oh, it was an exact match. Um, but, you know, because I think that... And I was saying this in another space. Uh, for people who are, are missing out on these, check out some of these UFO Twitter spaces. Uh, Keemstar has joined the, the fray as well, so the drama is only ramped up to about 1,000. <laughs> but I was also making a point in one of them yesterday, and they're very entertaining, guys. You can't take them too seriously, but they're extremely entertaining. That the skeptics need to hold themselves to the same level of accountability that they hold everybody else as well, right? It's like they're coming up with these balloon explanations of CGI stuff, and it's like we're just getting lazy, right? We're just rehashing all the same excuses. Even the skydivers with with uh, fireworks attached to them stuff is we're like two minutes away from swamp gas. Yeah, yeah. Yep. we really are, right? It's just getting to the point where it's just absolutely absurd. Like, let's start coming up with some, A, original ideas, and B, let's hold ourselves from the debunker standpoint and skeptical standpoint to the same level of proof, right? Oh, it looks like this. That's what it is. Well, I can say it looks like a jellyfish alien and a Pokemon. It doesn't make it a Pokemon or a jellyfish alien, right? So... I, you know, with respect to that thing, I don't know what it is in in general. To me, my view is it doesn't really matter because it doesn't really push the needle any further, right? Like, Mm -hmm. we don't have anything we can verify there. We need somebody who comes out who's, let's say, like a whistleblower who says, oh, yes, this is a being from another planet. Here's the explanation for how and why we filmed it, et cetera. And we're probably never going to get that or a report that comes along with it. It's not like when you're seeing three orbs circling around a plane, you can see their gravity engine and you can actually like scientifically reverse engineer and figure out what's going on. Right. We're just looking at something floating. Mm -hmm. It's not even doing anything anomalous in the video. Um, So to me, as much as like, I think that it's an interesting video, it just doesn't really push the needle at all for me. Um, But from the debunker standpoint, like I want to expect more, right. Cause I think that there is something valuable when it comes to the skeptics pushing back on a lot of this stuff, but it needs to be less lazy and needs to be more uh, grounded in evidence. Well, I thought the, uh, like, talk about the 
the NASCAR mummies thing. Like the debunk that came out of that was really weird because this whole thing came out. I, I hadn't heard about it actually. It was actually my dad turned around to me and said, Oh, I see those mummy things that they found. Like they've they've found out that they were made from like human bones and stuff like that. And it was Dave that sent me the article for it. And when you read the article, it's like, oh no, these were completely different mummies. And the article basically turns around and says, Yeah, well, these look like these, so obviously they're the same. And it's like, well, my my car outside's a Ford. It doesn't mean the guy next door to me with a BMW's got a Ford. <laughs> exactly. I was going to bring that up if you didn't. It's the same exact thing that I was just talking about, right? It's like they're just talking past each other going, oh, well, we've debunked the mummies because these other mummies are fake mummies. Well, you just present some other. It's the same argument as like I made a CGI series of balloons mm -hmm. and I debunked your real thing with it. It's like that's not how logic and reason works at all. And I saw that as well. And I see people pushing that. Going, oh no, this has been debunked. It's just that's literal disinformation. That's what disinformation is, right? It's yeah, we might as well debunk not dinosaurs then, because there was fake dinosaur bones. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> right. I've got a dinosaur stuffed animal here, so obviously that's fake. So that means the dinosaurs are fake, right? <laughs> oh, come plusier coming up big. Cheers, buddy. Ollie, Ollie will love all the 33s. 30, 33 follows yeah, Ollie around. Yeah, it's a it weird a number for him. Forward. <laughs> I'm in them hands is at least it's not a bunch of sixes right or at least three sixes then we start having to ask questions those are just two sixes <laughs> yeah <laughs> it, it yeah. would need investigated though you'd have to keep sending like three sixes a few times for us to like thoroughly investigate those super chats oh so I've got another let's do one more topic on the MH37 Absolutely. stuff uh, before we close out here because I, I can't go all night tonight but um, AARO so I got a call from AARO was it last week two weeks ago um you call me up in the afternoon so i when they, they had this website that came out and mm -hmm. i had been sitting there waiting for the submission link to show up mm -hmm. i want to say it was end of november maybe sometime around thanksgiving and that same night that the submission link came up somebody pinged me on it and i went in there and i submitted the case uh i read very through the details of what the requirements are like you actually have to be a contractor or work with the government in order to submit them and I technically it was kind of cheating because like I'm not it's not like I had the firsthand knowledge like I was there that night, but I have seen these videos. I've been reporting on the video. So I, I was clear in my reporting. But by the technical definitions, I met the definitions to be able to submit it. So I submitted that MH370 case. Mm -hmm. I get this call uh, about a week and a half ago uh, from somebody. I'm not going to say their name because they asked me not to, uh, but they were a lieutenant colonel was their rank. And they were like historian something or other related to AARO. Basically, the person who calls people up, gets the report, makes the, the detailed analysis of what that report is. And for people that are wondering, you know, could this have been a hoax? Possible. But for my, I, I talked with them an hour and a half. They knew a lot of stuff that really they would have had to have been in the AARO and had to have seen my report in order to, you know, know for sure. They said they hadn't even looked at the videos, right? So they just, because I didn't like submit the videos in the report. I just said what the situation is, right? Mm -hmm. um, they seemed like a normal person. We, we even talked a little bit about the football game that was going to be going on later on with, with uh, Michigan that night. Um, and so I, I want you guys to be able to ask me any questions around it. But, you know, some of the key takeaways I had was that they talked a little bit about the past with AARO and how AARO hadn't had any direct provable evidence of anomalous activity that has come across their desk yet. Um, I asked about the February shootdowns that they said that he, guys said, no, that was balloons or whatever, which really made me, that was the most thing that made me most skeptical about them in general. 
Um, I, I told him about the case. I asked every question, answered every question he wanted about it. Um, gave him the actionable evidence and verifiable evidence to follow up on because theoretically they would be able to follow up on the drone video, the satellite video, if that's what those videos really look like. Right. Um, they would be able to talk to the NRO, the national reconnaissance office. They'd be able to talk to the Navy and figure out if that's what that stuff looks like and compare it. I also told him about Edward C. Lynn, the potential leaker, and said, you guys mm -hmm. should try to get him to talk to you because he might come out as a whistleblower and be able to say, yeah, this stuff's real. I told him about looking at the orbs and the gravity engines where, hey, if you want solid evidence, these are some of the highest quality videos ever of propulsion that is not explained by human technology. And I even told them about Joseph F. Dunford and said, well, I think you're going to have a hard time talking to him since he works for Lockheed Martin now. But, you know, and he said well, he actually like thought, you know, maybe there would be a way where they could actually talk to him about that kind of stuff and referred to him as the good general, which is another thing that usually like military people, that's like how they talk about uh, like generals and stuff like that. They mm -hmm. like kind of give them that that good general kind of terminology is what they use. So uh, everything that they said seemed very credible that they were actually part of ARO. They even mentioned that my case is one of the first reported cases on the list out there. The thing that I, I guess not much made me skeptical, but I was very surprised that they were calling me after hours. Um, and he said that he had been working a like 12 hour day or something like that. And they were, you know, working hard to try to get follow ups to these cases. The person I talked to even mentioned, I don't think this doxes them, that they were the one who set up the website that they and that nobody had even uh, registered a website or anything Like there was like basically no public reporting system whatsoever. that was even possible before that. Um, so it was a very interesting discussion. Um, and I hope that they do follow up on some of that stuff. They then sent me an email later that night thanking me for the discussion. And I posted that on my Twitter. Uh, I know I, I removed the ver uh, kind of personal information about the person mm -hmm. and the exact email address. But it comes from Pentagon AARO external email account with a dot mil uh, address. So it seems, seems pretty credible. Um, mm -hmm. Still waiting for a follow up in terms of uh, you know, here's your case report stuff or details around that, which I think I was told I would get. But they also admitted that the military is very slow about a lot of this stuff. And that's why they hadn't got back to me in like two months or so since I've made that report. Um, so, you know, it was interesting, though. I, I told them as well. Last thing I'll say is I told them I would give them a glowing review because I appreciated them calling me after hours, you know, and that despite that I disagree that there's not stuff out there that's anomalous that they just seem like normal people that are trying to do their job, right? Not yeah, this villain that they've been made out to be, you know? And you know what his response was? Because I told him about my social media following as well. Because I they gave me, there was like a legal disclaimer that they gave me about, mm -hmm. uh, I don't have to sign an NDA or anything like that. Apparently that's disinformation that's out there. That if you report something, you have to sign an NDA. Mm -hmm. They said I can talk about anything about it, except for just not to bring up the person's name. Um, and I was going to ask about that, but they went ahead and said so ahead uh, of time. Um, but then they said, you, well, you may not want to do that thing about the ARO because it may hurt your brand. <laughs> I started laughing. I go, dude, I don't care about my brand at all. Like, you <laughs> must not know much about me, man. People hate me and it doesn't matter to me at all. Like how people think of me in general. I'm just a regular dude a few months ago. So, yeah. So what are your thoughts on all that? And do you have any questions? Lee. Oh, go on, Dave. <laughs> you, you I, look think, like I think it's face. interesting. Uh, yeah, nothing gets done in the military, not really, um, and nothing will. I think it's, you know, I think it's commendable. Like what you're saying that you're still going through Arrow and these things, I think it's commendable, given your experience with like the legal process and suing states and raising that you know these things don't work. 
they're they're just there to waste your time and spin wheels and to defeat your spirit so that you stop. It's like filing a complaint on a law enforcement officer. Like it's going nowhere. No, literally, it's not going to get filed. Uh, they might arrest you for trying. So, yeah, I think it's I think it's commendable. I think it's admirable. I think. Let's see. Guys who can't buy orbital big fence. You want your shirt might as a sweatshirt. Yeah, they'll, they'll have to turn it off. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's I I that's that's the thing that takes me back, is it it kind of tickles me that you're very much still on that. And I think it's it's kind of awesome. It's adorable in a way. <laughs> yeah, what I would say on that yeah. is that because yeah, people bring this up. It's like, Asher, why are you calling the FBI? Why are you putting stuff to ARO? Stuff's not going to work, blah, blah, blah. And I just respond the same way. It's like those resources are out there. We have to use them. I don't have any faith in them working, right? Because yeah. I know how uh, you know the government operates in general. Like you just said, it's like final police report against the police officer, right? It's like it's not going to yeah. probably go anywhere. But go this anywhere. also builds up the case, right? It's like, okay, every FOIA that we get rejected back to us in the mm -hmm. interest of national defense and foreign policy, it just adds to the case of why is this happening related to a missing airliner? There shouldn't be any national defense implications for a plane yeah. going missing, right? You uh, also can't say, can't count uh, discount the fact that it might spark some inspiration in someone else that you're speaking to, you know, like, like the guy from Arrow or something. Yep. I like that. Maybe they'll get interested, right? And he also said real quick to somebody in the chat, asked, well, maybe they're lying about not having seen it. He actually, now I remember, he did say that he didn't know if other people in the ARO had seen it or not. They said it was possible that other people had seen it, but he had not seen the videos. So yeah. the way he said that made me think that they are out there monitoring. And they and I know he said they were they monitor social media. He yes. said that they monitor Twitter and, and uh, maybe even Reddit. I don't really think he called Reddit out, but that they monitor these things to see what the perception is of their organization, et cetera, out there. So if people want to know, they are out there. It's, I, it's, I think it's, it's logical, logical uh, move forward from Project Mockingbird, isn't it? Yes. No, it's that, that. Yeah. I, I think it's the best life insurance policy you could ever have is doing these things, though. I will say that. Oh, I, think, I, think, no, I think following the public course, you're following exactly what they've laid out and asked you to do, and you're doing exactly that. You contact the FBI, you contact Arrow. These are all now public records that you are constantly bringing this up. The more you do that, the less somebody can do anything else, right? Like, cause you're, Hey, I'm following the rules. I'm, I'm trying to do this your way. I'm not stepping out of bounds. Now I think if you wanted to get dirty and investigate, you move to Birmingham, Alabama, and I could tell you a couple different bars you could go to and start hanging out, make some friends and find out amazing things. Oh yeah. No, I agree with you. First of all, I also want to say a thing that I am I'm not in any way uh, going to commit any acts of self-harm. Uh, nah. I don't plan on falling Smart. down the stairs or anything like that. <laughs> no. um, you know, we're not going to be dying suddenly or anything like that as well. So if anything were that happened, you guys are going to have a, oh, a whole bunch of episodes that you can do about Ashton going and disappearing or stuff happening <laughs> to him and digging into all this stuff out there. So your yeah, like you said, it's an insurance policy just in case the yes. videos are real and just in case this is real, right? Yeah. Your vehicle's maintained regularly. Well, yeah, that, exactly. that, that's always been the story of why uh, Blizzard came forward, wasn't it? Yeah. He, he, he came out because he thought if he didn't come out, his life would be in danger. And it would have been. Yeah, it's part of the reason why I want to keep the I mean, I want to keep the story going just because I want to get the answers and I want the government to have to issue a statement about this. In fact, that's probably where I should go with my next 
plan, you know, kind of to wind this down, I would say is like, yeah. mm -hmm. what comes next, right? We have to force the government to make a statement about the videos. Um, and they made a statement about the jellyfish, right? Um, so why can't they make a statement about the MH370 videos, right? Mm -hmm. um, even if they're going to come out like and say the same thing they did about the jellyfish where we can't confirm or deny it, right? They can mm -hmm. deny it if it's fake. They've done that in the past with other absolutely. stuff, right? Yeah, absolutely. So, I don't no, know if anyone out there knows who I have to reach out to in the DOD to get one of those. Let me know because, or uh, I want to ping whoever I've got to ping to force a statement. Yeah, no, I mean, man, it, I, it I feels like a simple thing, doesn't it? If it's if it's a hoax, then it the, it's a hoax. There yeah. should be no issue. There should be no issue with coming forward to say it. Like, can you imagine now though? Like, this is one thing I want to say real quick: is that I I've been on social media, you know, since it, its inception. You know, I am known for ragging on Reddit and that's because I've seen what that site began as and what it is now in the, let's call it 15 years since I've monitored Reddit and used to be on Reddit more regularly. I don't think I've ever once seen a single person admit they were wrong or apologize. Not once in any argument ever, just literally never happens, right? Can you imagine if these videos get declassified? And considered, you know, that government comes out and says we're declassifying the MH370 videos, just like they did with the Tic Tac ones. Can you imagine the absolute meltdown that people would be having out there? The ones that have been sitting here adamantly arguing that it's CGI, that some Bitcoin billionaire made it or whatever, that they could make it in a few hours. Like it would be people will literally lose their minds, right? Like, what do you think the reaction would be? I would pay like pay-per-view <laughs> style buys for mick west's first tweet <laughs> oh, and and i think somebody asked me this the other day in a space and they said like you know oh they, it was yesterday it was somebody was questioning me about the videos and they were going no i think that these skeptics you know like mick west michael Shermer, etc you know if if this if some of these elements i don't think they were talking about this but like the jellyfish stuff right if they would mm -hmm. come out and admit it's true oh they'll, they'll go ahead and admit they were wrong no they're not yeah, no no they're not they didn't admit they were wrong when the dod navy videos came out they doubled down he's still right. trying to debunk the videos even after the dod declassified i'm trying to say it's a, a plane flying away or that you know he tried to make a literally went on this like total bizarro thing and made a like a whole diorama in his garage trying to prove that the 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 uh what is it the camera turning is the account for what this like object is spinning in the sky right mm -hmm. like he's not gonna ever admit he was wrong that's never gonna happen he's just gonna double down yeah it's i mean it, it goes back to what you were saying before about the debunkers need to be hold themselves to the same like regard as they hold the people mm -hmm. bringing the evidence for because there is no difference to um somebody that goes into something wanting to prove something's fake than somebody that goes into like laser testing over large bodies of water to, to wanting to find like the the fact that there's no curve to it or something like that you know it's they they're after the same thing in the end they yeah. they just want to fulfill whatever it is that the dogma that they're stuck in it's either lazy thinking or they're paid for yeah what well, I'd say on that you know kind of going back to what we were saying before is without these videos. I would not be trying to promote the teleportation as possible, right? Like I yeah. would never, I would think mm -hmm. it's not possible at all, right? Only reason why I'm even promoting it is because I've dug into the science and that's by far the most logical explanation, despite the fact that it seems impossible, seems totally incredible. I would much rather that smoke trail kept going. And then I can mm -hmm. just be like, no, this is just some kind of cloaking, right? Mm -hmm. And I can't completely rule it out, just like I can't completely rule out an annihilation event. 
But the problem is the smoke tail doesn't keep going. The problem is that antimatter hasn't really been proven to be a thing. And we need antimatter in order to have uh, the plane disappear and be you know, destroyed without blowing up part of the planet just due to basic physics. But, you know, physics is does account for this idea that we could have superluminal speeds. We just don't simply understand it quite yet. So, um, you know, yeah, I think that I, I'm trying not to approach it from the perspective that you just mentioned, where I don't have any inherent bias in what the outcome I'm trying to achieve is. Mm-hmm. I'm just trying to follow the evidence. And it just turns out that, damn, man, there's more evidence of a cover up here and crazy technology than I would have ever expected when I first dug into this. I I think that something that people that may be on the fence about this sort of stuff or this case, not the stunt sort of stuff is it. I think it would have collapsed under its own weight like long ago and it wouldn't have become more interesting. It would have been a brick wall that, that happened. And it's, it was the fact that uh, what really got me was at the point where, um, like I say, I brought, brought up earlier on was like the orb going through the cloud. I mean, you could see the clouds shifting and stuff. And I thought, yeah. Oh, well, like there's stuff in those videos that we haven't seen yet. You know, there was a, there was enough there to dig in. So unless it was like a Kubrick style fake where someone <laughs> had like layers of ideas through knowing that that it will be picked apart, mm-hmm. it's 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 just beyond the pale for me now. The, the yeah, that's the problem for me too. Is there's so many small details, you know. Mm-hmm. And this is why people are like, oh, well, didn't you say that the videos were fake when the cloud stuff came out? Well, originally, as a logical person, I have to go, yeah, these clouds seem to be matched, right? But when you dig into it more and really think about it from the totality, you're like, well, this doesn't really address like any of the the explanations for how this was made, right? Like, mm-hmm. why are we seeing the clouds get distorted? Like, why is there a perfect 120 degree sinusoidal pattern consistent with electrical engineering here? Mm-hmm. Why is the phase state change happening here? Why do I have physicists and engineers telling me that, yes, this is exactly what it would look like? Why are the orbs converging on the plane and then why is the plane like blurring and stretching out the way that it does right all these tiny details we even found in the satellite video someone posted on social media yesterday that this is one of the more compelling things it looks like right before in the satellite video these orbs converge like if you were to line it up with the drone video you can see it the plane kind of bulge a little bit like just a little tiny bit but it's it is you can visually see it and it's like wait a minute what the why would somebody add that in if that's a CGI? Like if this is just a model that somebody put in there, you're not going to see something like that, right? It's, the model's going to be yeah. exactly the same in every frame. They're not mm-hmm. adding in one frame a tiny difference, right? So this is the part where like the people that are trying to debunk it and trying to recreate the videos and the, the people that are recreating at this point, they're just literally copying the video. Yeah. And like, it's like me taking a screenshot and going, I recreated it, this picture. <laughs> you just took or a screenshot. taking a load of balloons and making it. The shapes. Yes. <laughs> it is, yes. It's, it's like that. It's like where these people just, they never address any of the evidence or any of the details, right? They're just trying to talk past it and trying to rationalize it in their own minds. So as a final thought, I hope that those people can uh, do the thing that they keep t- claiming that I'm doing, which is ignoring the questions and ignoring you know, the evidence, which is I'm doing the exact opposite of that. Yes. They are the ones who are doing it. I hope that they can change their mindset and begin to address some of that. Because my personal belief is that as time goes on, the science will be proven to be true. And I don't want to hear people going, oh, no, you just got lucky when you were talking about the science. Those videos are still fake. Like, no, when the science is proven true, we start teleporting objects or whatever. Like that's mm-hmm. going to be absolute proof that these videos are really true and real. Um, and so, yeah, I just hope that people you know can come to terms with that before all that stuff happens. Mm-hmm. That's a good thought, man. And Ashton, as always, we appreciate you having you, man. And, you know, 
just keep after it. You know, mm. you, you've come over so far and, and you've gotten so much undone. You've brought so much of this to the public eye with Tim Pool and stuff. You know, I'd like to congratulate you on that. That's that's a lot. It's to move anything in this field is amazing. Yeah, I, I hope there's some bigger bigger shows coming your way. Definitely. Like through through the year. Like personally, ov- obviously the Rogan idea always always comes up. Yep. I'd also like to see you on Patrick Bet David as well. I think I'd that love to see you on show. Patrick Bet David. Yeah. And with um, that, yeah, we'll put in a good word for me, guys. And I just want to quickly say before we close out, you know, thank yeah. you guys on Alien Attic for having me on. You know, the reason why I keep coming back to you guys is that I like chatting with you guys. You're very open minded, right? We don't necessarily have to agree on every little fine point. Yeah. But mm-hmm. I think that, you know, you guys do take an approach with an open mind with some of this stuff. And it's just mm-hmm. fun talking with you guys. So I think that everybody's out there. Make sure you're following these guys. Make sure you're subscribing to them, watching their videos. It's entertaining stuff. And I can't wait for the day that we all get to sell out together and switch sides. It's going to be great. <laughs> let's, ju- let's just hope they don't ask us to celebrate with some pancakes. Yeah, maybe no pancakes. <laughs> I'm cooking. <laughs> Thanks, guys. No, cheers, Ashton. Thanks very much. Thanks, Ashton. I really should have been ready to end the show. You should have been ready. Really, Everyone really like, subscribe, you know, yeah. buy a t-shirt, Ashton, hang out for just a second so we can thank you. Click it, Lee. Um, yeah, I think that no matter how you look at this, there's a conspiracy angle here that is not resolved. What's Everything. ironic is I agree with you as well on the fact that I know you're joking, but practically from a physics perspective, the hologram angle is, is interesting. I, let's put joking in quotes. Right, right. You know, because sure, sure. like we, Project Blue Beam is another conspiracy, Abs- right. but it's something people think about, especially in this yep. community of the UFOs and the conspiracy theories. And people, when you know of certain types of information that's out there, yep. or at least been theorized, yes, it makes it okay to then question anything like this because we know things from the past. Mm-hmm. And we were only, a lot of the stuff we're talking about is stuff we know from decades ago. Exactly. A lot of stuff has happened since. When yes. I talk about MK Ultra with people, right. that's in the past. Exactly. And they're like, ah, oh, it's in the past. I'm like, no, no, no. It's just everywhere now. Yeah. We're in MK Ultra's wet dream.
makes them any damn longer. We're going to have to break his tiny thumbs. Yeah. Um, I've just been realizing something like, you know, you do conspiracy podcasts when you're doing a text message and you realize Nephilim is in your predictive text. <laughs> we live a weird life. <laughs> Be classy, everybody. <laughs>